presenting The Christmas Eve Ghost, another in the series of radio plays based on stories featured in the American Weekly, the magazine which is distributed with all Hearst to Sunday newspapers from coast to coast. The Christmas Eve Ghost was produced in the New York studios of the General Broadcasting Company. Men of the sea are superstitious, even more so than landsmen. The sky, the swell of the ocean surface, birds wheeling and screaming around a ship, all these apparently innocent details have certain ominous interpretations for your sailor man. So it's not surprising that there should be wild tales of haunted ships and shipwrecks which lie fathoms deep or beached on the sandy shores off the New England coast. In the middle of the last century, no sturdier, smarter, five-masted schooner ever sailed the seas than the Ruth I. Brown. Her skipper, a huge, brawny seaman named Cobb, as good a captain as ever ordered a four-tack heave down, had one outstanding characteristic. He was deeply religious. Too religious to suit his men, he always carried a parson on board ship to hold services. One blustery Christmas Eve, the skipper was sitting in his cabin, reading aloud to himself. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Come in. Uh, if you please, Captain. Mm, come in, uh, Mr. Willibrand. Come in. I was just reading a bit of the scriptures. Aye, aye, Captain. But if you... Uh, sit down, Nate, and listen. But, Captain... Sit down. Aye, aye, sir. I'm reading from the second chapter of Luke, where the angel appeared to the shepherds. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Captain. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And that's what the good book says, mate. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. You know what that means? No, sir. That means there was a flock of spirits appeared. You believe in spirits, don't you? (laughs) A bottle kind I does, Captain. Damn it, mate, don't be profane. I mean ghosts. My mistake, Captain. You hear tell of ghosts appearing, haven't you? Aye, Captain. I've heard tell of them. Never seen them? Never, sir. Neither have I. But the good book tells us they do appear. I wonder if a parson has ever seen them. Me, just run and give the parson my compliments. And ask him to be good enough to step here a minute. Well, if you please, Captain. I was sent here with the parson's compliments and to ask if you'd be so good as to step to his cabin. Mm, what for? Well, the parson's in a bad way, sir. Sick? Shot, sir. Shot? When? If you please. Oh. If you please, sir. Last night while he was ashore, some tipsy oystermen let him have one while he was holding the services in the back room of the Jolly Tar. Why didn't somebody tell me? Well, the parson would hear tell of it, Captain. Didn't want to upset you. Some of the men got him aboard and into his bunk. But he's in a bad way, you see. Aye, sir. Took a turn for the worse just to spell back. Well, why didn't you tell me when you first came in? I tried to, Captain, but... Well, don't stand there spouting like a humpback whale. Get me my jacket off you on the hook. Aye, aye, sir. Carson's mm, in a bad way, isn't he? Poor devil, having only one eye and a peg leg was bad enough without getting shot. Your jacket, Captain. All right, come along, Mr. Willoughby, we'll have a look at the parson. Captain? Yes, Parson. Oh, thank you, sir, for coming. Oh, that's all right, Parson. That's... No, 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 no. Don't you try to get up now. Lie oh. back and rest. Thank you. I, I'm pretty weak. Mate. Captain? And turn the lantern to the way a little uh, light's right in his face. Aye, sir. Uh, uh, not better, Parson? Much. Thank you, Captain. 
sorry, sorry to be so much trouble. Oh, no trouble, man. No trouble at all. But it won't be for long. Oh, well, of course not. Well, you'll be up and about deck in short order. Oh, pardon me for contradicting, Captain, but I'll never pace the deck again. Oh, being six major morbid parson, I'll stop thinking that way. My time's come, Captain. I know that soon the bullet hit me. Funny, ain't it? What? How we never know how the end will come. I always hope to die in my home port, but it's to be at sea. Oh, stop talking like that, man. It's true, Captain. I'm dying. My race is run. Ah, hear that? Hear what? Music. Heavenly music. Where? Here, in this cabin. Do you hear it, Mr. Willibrand? No. Are you sure you heard music, Parson? I heard it. I hear it still. Listen. Can't you hear it, too? Would you like me to read a bit of scripture, Parson? They're coming to take me home. God sent his angels for me. See them, Captain. Now, now, you lie back and rest, Parson. Captain, you don't believe me. You think I'm delirious. I'm not. I see the angels and hear their music. Yes, Parson, yes. If you say you do, you do. The good book says God sends his angels, doesn't it? Yes, Parson, it does. Now, what did I tell you, Mr. Willibrand? I was just sending Mr. Willibrand here for you, Parson, when he come for me. I've just been reading about that in the good book. It's true. It's gospel. The spirit does return. I know that I shall return, too. Yes, Parson. I die strong in the faith that I'll be allowed to return. And then I shall not only preach to men's souls, but I shall heal their bodies. Oh, don't bother, mate. My lantern of life is growing weaker, too. Uh, what is it, Parson? I always preach the truth, ain't I? Uh, that you have. You believe what I told you, don't you? I. But come, now lie back now. Don't lean on your elbow like that. I must. I must make you believe what I'm about to say. I know that I shall return the same night, this very hour, to preach to men and heal their bodies. Remember this, Captain. I shall come back to preach and heal their bodies. I later, the Ruth I. Brown caught fire from a galley stove while everybody was ashore and she burned to the water's edge. The whole town was interested in the dying prediction of the saintly old parson. Some believed it would come true. Others scoffed at it. But everyone impatiently waited for the next Christmas Eve, the first anniversary of the parson's death. One of the most ardent believers in the prophecy was little Davy, the crippled son of Captain Cobb. He constantly talked of the parson's return and hoped that he might be relieved of his crutches. Although he never expressed his opinion of the whole matter, Captain Cobb took his little son down to the wreck of the Ruth I. Brown on the appointed night. He's 
said he'd come back, didn't he, Father? Aye, son. Did he say what time? The hour of his death, he said, Davy, and that was at eight bells. And he will come, won't he? He said so, Davy. I think he will. Do you think we'll be able to see him? I don't know. Maybe. Where was the cabin he died in, Father? Ah, See the broken, charred wheel there? Yes. His cabin was just after that. I'm going up there. Maybe he'll come back for sure if I do. Evening, Captain Cobb. Oh, evening, Mr. Willebrand. Tonight's the night, ain't it? Aye, tonight's the night. Folks are starting to gather, I see. Aye. You believe the parson will come back, don't you? Mm, he said he would. Yeah, he said lots of things the parson did. But I won't believe him. Well, then uh, what are you here for? Ah, uh, just to see all the folks get fooled. Mm, come to scoff, huh? No, I wouldn't say that. Just come to look on a spell. Mind the night he died, Captain. Aye. How you've been reading about the spirit coming down from heaven and how he heard him coming after him? Aye. And all that eerie music he was raving about, me and you never heard a note of it, did we? No, mate, we didn't. He was the only one aboard who heard or saw anything. Aye. Well then, Captain, how will we ever know if he comes back? I wish I knew, mate. I wish I knew. Eight bells, Captain. Aye. Eight bells, mate. Here comes the folks. They expect miracles or something. And the parson said he'd come back. Said he'd come back to preach and heal this very hour, mate. But do you think he'll come back, Captain? The parson was a very honest man, mate. Captain... Mr. Willebrand. Oh, he meant well enough, Captain. But this coming back now. Here I am, just as I said, Captain. Mr. Willebrand, listen to me. He was so certain he'd return. Yes, Captain. I promised to return, and here I am. They say dying men have peculiar visions, Captain. Aye, Mr. Willebrand. Don't you hear me? I'm back with you. I've got so much to tell you. That's why I hope I go sudden like when it comes my turn. Don't fear death, Mr. Willebrand. Death is peace. Death is beautiful. Oh, if you could only hear me. Parson died easy. Yes, Captain, I died easy. <laughs> he ain't having an easy time getting back, though. I wonder if he will come tonight. I'm here, Captain. I'm here. Can't you see me? I can see you. Don't you hear the music? The wind's getting round to the north. Mm, it's a cold night tonight, Captain. I pull a storm for a morning. Uh, I haven't much longer to stay with you, Captain. I promise you I'll be back. I want you to know I've kept my promise. Oh, there's only one way left now to make you believe. Well, I guess the parson's failed you, Captain. Might as well get back to where it's warm. Yes, I guess you're right, mate. I guess you're right. Oh, where's Davy? He left me here just a few minutes ago. He went aft for the wheel there. Hmm. Oh, 
somebody's coming along the deck now. Is that him? Mm-hmm. Well, must be uh, nobody else up there. Can't be, Captain. David'd be on his crutches. Uh, he is Davy, and he ain't got his crutches, Captain. You mean? Uh, I don't know what I mean. Father, Father, Davy, be careful. Where's your crutches, son? Child imagines things too easily. I shouldn't have brought him. Careful, Davy. I'll come get you, son. You don't have to, Father. See? I'll never need my crutches again. I can walk. Well, I'll be... Davy! Davy, my boy! Oh, thank God! Thank God! Parson keep his promise and reappear? Full details of the story of this strange old character, as well as many other supernatural visitations, will be found under the title, The Haunted Shipwreck Off the Coast of Maine, in next to Sunday's issue of the American Weekly, the magazine which is distributed with all Hearst Sunday newspapers from coast to coast. And now on behalf of the American Weekly and all members of the Hearst organization, I wish to extend to you and your family our very best wishes for a very Merry Christmas. This is Wentworth announcing. Full details of the other stories appearing in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly Magazine will now be given to you by your own announcer. Broken Coin, another in the series of radio plays based on stories featured in the American Weekly, the magazine which is distributed to all first the Sunday newspapers from coast to coast. The Broken Coin was produced in the New York studios of the General Broadcasting Company. That section of Paris, known as Montmartre, and once famous for its nightlife and gaiety, is plunged in gloom. The playground of the world, as Parisians proudly called it, has become as lively as a burial ground. One quiet evening recently at the Chanoir, one of the more ill-famed of night restaurants in the Rue Pigalle, Suzette Claudier, one of the ladies of the evening to be found there, is sitting alone at the table, idly turning a wine glass between her fingers as she meditates under the spell of the music of the cafe violinist. Mademoiselle Suzette? Mademoiselle Suzette? Eh? What is it? Oh. What can I do for you, ma chérie? I'm a repartee. This is my first evening here. 
And Madame Lafleur said you'd tell me what I'm supposed to do. She said I'd tell you, eh? Yes. <laughs> How well she knows where to send you. Nobody in the Rue Pigalle has been an entrepreneur as long as I have. Well, what do you want to know, ma chérie? I, I don't know, mademoiselle. All the madame said was to see you. Very well, I'll start at the beginning. We try to get as much money out of the patrons as they have. The more you can wheedle, the more money you make. Is that clear? Yes, mademoiselle, she's yes. As soon as a patron arrives, you're to rush to him and overwhelm him with attentions and dazzle him with your charms. And your perfume, you understand? I think I do. In preparing for your evening's work, Marie, see to it that you use a heavy, sensuous perfume. The patron will be sure to breathe its fragrance as you bend over his shoulder. I understand. Then when you're seated with him, you have a sudden thirst and hunger. That's your stock in trade, ma chérie. Your professional appetite. But if I have to eat and drink with the patron, what shall I do when another comes in? That is where the skill comes in. You only pick at the food. And the eagle-eyed waiter will see to it that it doesn't stay on the table long. But what about the drink? Let the patron drink most of the bottle. I'd let him think that you helped considerably. But suppose he notices that I haven't? Hmm? You distract his attention by being very demonstrative. You kiss him and put your arms around his neck. As you do... The waiter will substitute another bottle, which has been diluted. Then suppose the patron refuses to buy more than one bottle. For that type of patron, we have a special technique. You see this vial? Yes. What's in it? A powder, which will make him forget for a while. You mean poison? A sleeping potion. Of course, if a little too much is dropped into his glass. The sleep will be a little longer than intended. Oh, how awful. Oh, don't be shocked, Mary. It's a common thing here in Montmartre. But supposing the glasses get mixed? Suppose uh, I... It would only put you to sleep, ma chérie. With me, it would be different. My heart would never stand it. One glass and two finis. Oh, Suzette, have you ever administered... A special treatment? Oh, yes, a few times. Oh, I never could do that. You won't have to, Sherry. Suzette will take care of that for you. All I'm supposed to do, then, is to get patrons to buy food and drinks? As far as the cafe is concerned. But there's a pretty penny to be gained for yourself in other ways. How? Tell the patron a sad story. You have an aged mother to support, a ring you wish to get out of the pawn shop because of sentimental reasons. Or you have an overdue... Rent bill to be paid. Will he give me money if I do? Try it. You'll get twice as much as you ask for. Maybe I can do that. I'll try to, then. <laughs> You're a pretty little thing. How old are you? Eighteen. Eighteen. Just the age I was when I left the convent. Were you in a convent, too? Yes. I was sent to a convent when I was a young girl. My father used to come and see me on holidays. You see, my mother died when I was small. Then, when I was about 18, father's visit suddenly stopped. You mean he died? That's what the mother superior thought. I remember one evening, just at vespers. Father hasn't been in touch with you, has he? 
No, Mother. He hasn't been in touch with us, either. He used to come on all the holidays. It's strange these visits have stopped so suddenly. Is it not, Suzette? He may be ill, Mother. In that case, I think he would have notified us in some way. Perhaps... Perhaps he went away on a business trip. Perhaps. But I think him... You must be brave, my child. I think he has passed on. Oh, oh no, no. Yes, my child. I know it is a shock to you. There's no other way to look at oh. it. Now, the funds your father left for your education are nearly depleted. Oh. Have you any other relative to whom you can turn for assistance? No. No, Mother. If, if father has passed on, I, I'm alone in the world. There are two ways open to you. Enter the convent as a sister, or take what money is left and seek your fortune in the world. I shall give you a little time to think it over. Uh, you may go into Vespers now. Very well. Reverend Mother. You took the money, of course. Yes. The Mother Superior gave me what was left. And a few trinkets my father had left in her care. Among them was this. A half a coin. How strange. My father took the first money he earned after he was married and broke it into two pieces. One part he gave to my mother, the other he kept himself. For good luck. This was her half of the coin. And you've kept it ever since. Has it brought you luck? Not the luck I hoped for. You see, I've never given up looking for my father, but I've never found him. Of course, since I've become what I am, I've decided that it's no use. I'd never find him in a place like this. I... Well, enough of my troubles. You'd better not let Madame Lafleur see us gabbling like this. Poor Suzette. You've had a lot of sorrow in your life, haven't you? I look pretty old, don't I? You've had a great deal of trouble. People who suffer a great deal do look older, you know. Uh, you're a dear to be so tactful. You don't have to be. Here, you two. Get busy. Mary, I sent you over here to get some pointers, not to sit and chat all night. Move on. Yes, Madame Lafleur. Oh, it's my fault I kept her. You should know better, Suzette. But I haven't time to scold now. See that elderly gentleman at that table over there? Oh. You want me to go to work on him? Yes. One of the waiters tells me he has a large roll of money with him. If we don't get it, somebody else will. Hurry now. All right. Bonsoir, monsieur. Bonsoir. You, uh, you look lonely over here by yourself. Wouldn't you like a little company? By all means. Sit down, won't you? Merci, monsieur. Waiter. You look tired. Are you? A little. But that is because I've been sick with jungle fever. Oh. I've been away from Paris for a number of years. Indeed. Is it? Champagne, waiter. Will sir. Yes, it's been a long time. Have you ever searched for someone and not found them? Why, why yes. Yes, I have. Then you know how I feel. Discouraged, disappointed. I know. Tell me about it. You see... When I went away, I didn't have a chance to let anyone know where I was going. The opportunity to make a fortune in mining gold came to me so suddenly. Then, when I was able to get in touch with friends and relations, it was 
too late. That was too bad. Your family must have been frantic. I had only a daughter. I don't know what became of her. Perhaps she's married and has children of her own by now. Perhaps. Or maybe she went in for a career of some kind. You know, I like to think of her as being famous, even though I shall probably never meet her face to face. Well, it's quite possible she might be famous, isn't it? Oh, of course, of course. I, I'm sure she's what you dream her to be. I don't suppose I'd ever know her if we did meet. It's been so many years. I'm sure she'd recognize you, monsieur. Oh, I hardly think so. The fever has changed my appearance a great deal. There's only one way we could ever recognize each other. What is that, monsieur? A birthmark of some kind? No. By this. A half a coin. Odd, isn't it? Well, my daughter has the other half. Wherever she may be. Excuse me. Yes. Madame Lefer wishes to speak to you. I'll sit with the gentleman while you're gone. Yes, yes I must I must see, madame. Excuse me, monsieur. Certainly. What's got into you this evening, Suzette? You've done nothing but talk, talk, talk. Yes. Yes, madame. Now the gentleman evidently isn't going in for drinking this evening. We'll have to put him to sleep some other way. The powders? Oh no, no. Don't be a fool, Suzette. Why, you've never acted this way before about the powders. What's the matter? But I I Oh, nothing, madam. Very well, then. You'll do as I say. Give the gentleman the powders you mean. That's already been taken care of. Madam! See? The waiter's placing the champagne glasses on the table even now. The one in front of him contains the slumber potion. A generous one, by the way. Oh, no, no! What's wrong with you tonight, Suzette? If your gentleman has a weak heart like you, can I be blamed? I'm a conductor to the table at once, madam. But certainly. Get his wallet. Be sure you'll get his money before he leaves here, understand? I'll be working for you in my room. Oh, you're back, Cesar. Yes, I, I'm back. You can leave us, Mary. Of course. Bonsoir, monsieur. Bonsoir, mademoiselle. <laughs> well, mademoiselle Suzette, shall we drink a toast? Wait. Uh, wait, monsieur. Eh? Why are you changing the glasses? Well, uh, this one is full of you. You ought to have it. No, no, here. You keep it. Oh, please, please. Please change with me, monsieur. But why are you so insistent, well, mademoiselle? I, I've told you this one is fuller. Well, I'll drink this one, thank you. Oh, no. Here, what are you doing? Stop. That's mine you're drinking. Yes, yes. And, and now, my own. Now you must go, monsieur. Be for your life. I don't understand. Not for your money. If you don't go now while the madame is out of the room... You'll never go out alive. This is a wicked place, monsieur. You're in great danger. Why should you warn me like this? Because you're... Because you're an old man. You've suffered enough. You don't deserve to die like this. Now go, go quickly. But, mademoiselle... Oh, do you hear me? Go, go at once. Very well, but what about you? Oh, I shall be all right. Now. As you please. Au revoir, mademoiselle. Au revoir, monsieur. And God bless you. Suzanne? Why, why, what's the matter? You're quite a stare. Yes. What is it? Are you ill? Oh, madame! Madame! My father. You think me sin. You must always think me so. Mother. 
I found him. I found him. The radio drama which you just heard was inspired by an exclusive story appearing in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly Magazine. You'll find it under the title, Dismal Deserted Resorts of Gay Perry Nightlife. This is but one of the many interesting true life stories and articles appearing in next Sunday's issue of the American Weekly, the magazine which is distributed with all Hearst Sunday newspapers from coast to coast. This is Wentworth announcing and wishing you in behalf of the American Weekly and the entire Hearst organization the very happiest of all New Year's. Full details concerning the many stories and articles to be found in next Sunday's American Weekly will now be given to you by your own announcer. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.